Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. When you came back from your near-death experience, is that when you started to like, I have to start studying these and start interviewing other people who had these oh, kind of experiences? That was in my third one. Uh-huh. In my third one, that was when I met the voice. That's when I was told to do this work. Um, I was not told how to do it or how long it would take me. And the only way I could think of where I could do this kind of work, this research, um, was to use police investigative techniques because that's what I knew. I was raised in a police station. I knew police investigative techniques. Now that that's the techniques back in the forties. Um, and I knew those techniques. So well, when I was reasonably human, which took a year, right. <laughs> lots of things involved with, with that. Um, what really helped me to be, to discover who and what I really was, was in November Mm -hmm. when I I wasn't getting well. The doctor was concerned. My friends were concerned. So they um, decided together that I should be taken up to Seattle, Washington, to the Mind Miraculous Symposium. And... uh, (laughs) And that would help me. And and that's exactly what happened. Uh, can you believe a doctor would get up at 5.30 in the morning to give his patient a, a you know, a, a, a shot in the arm and, and lots of, you know, medicine so I could be trucked up. But that's what happened. And went to the Mind Miraculous Symposium and the first speaker, Dr. William Tiller, physicist at um, Stanford. His talk, his talk was the eternal now. And he believed that everything was simultaneous. Everything. And um, at the end of his talk, I, I can't remember any of his talk, but at the end of his talk, he, he yeah. there, there was this great, huge, giant screen, maybe five, six stories tall. I mean, huge screen. And on that screen, he flashed up his drawing, his graph of of what the eternal now looks like in physics, how you can draw that in physics. And it was the exact same thing I saw in my third near-death experience, exact. And I jumped up from that chair and ran out into the foyer and collapsed under a, a, a wall sconce. And I just cried and cried and cried. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. 
uh, he saw it too. He knows about it. I'm not cr crazy. And from that moment on, uh, I began to get well. I got well right away. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and in 1978, I, um, yeah, I, I, I just walked out on my life. I did. On the very day I was to become a bank uh, executive, you know, in those days, yeah, women, women didn't become bank executives. But on the very day that I could have a bank title, um, I quit my job. I, I, I walked into my boss's office to, on, a, on a Monday morning. And, um, I was supposed to have a an appointment with my boss. I did. I was there and I told my boss, you know, um, sorry, but I'm quitting my job and I'm going to chase rainbows. And my boss went white. She said, sit down, don't say another word. My boss was very, very logical. Wow, logical. And, and, and at four o'clock that morning, she had been awakened by a very unusual dream when she went to her boss and said to him, I'm going to have to replace me because I was going to chase rainbows. <laughs> That's not fair. You knew before I did. <laughs> I didn't know till nine that morning. She knew at four in the morning. So I just, I sold my home, uh, stored or sold everything I had. My children decided to go elsewhere. Uh, my son then was um, um, off um, uh, taking a cruise school aboard a square rigger in, in the Atlantic Ocean and, and decided to join the Coast Guard. My oldest daughter decided uh, um, uh, um, to be a drafter at a large architectural firm. My youngest daughter decided to leave and, uh, and go live with her father. And so all of a sudden they were gone. And then I was gone. And I went first to the Pacific Ocean to watch the sunset silver over the Pacific. And then I crossed the United States, fulfilling all my childhood dreams and wishes, wound up in the DC area watching the sun rise golden over the Atlantic. And that's when I began. And uh, I, I began telling my story. <laughs> of course, in a police station. <laughs> they had a very large police station and one room for the public before the public. And so so I told my story. And the frightful thing that happened to me was after I, I, I was over, a woman came up to came up to me with stars in her eyes and she said, oh, I wish something would happen like that to me so I could do it too. And it's like, horror. I mean, I, did I do something to, to mislead her? Mm. Um, you know, she, uh, meditation or the other different ways that you, you can, you know, can, can learn more about your own soul and spirituality. 
Um, but she was thinking I that she should die because I did. And it just right. so horrified me to, that I never talked about my own near-death experience again for, oh, decades. Um, <clears throat> but you were doing the work, but you were still doing research. Uh, that's when I started to do the research. So and let me... So then let me ask you this, because I know you've interviewed, I think, over 7,000, think, or something along those lines of people with near-death experiences. But tell nearly me about- 5, Nearly 5,000 adults and children. So tell me about your work with children, because there's not a lot of literature about, near other than yourself, about near-death experiences and children. What, what, what was your, what, tell me about your work with children. Well, well of course- you know, I, uh, I began with, with children many, 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 many years ago. And I found them very different, of course, in the way they talk about something like this. With a child, you're never above their eye level, ever, ever. You can't be. Or they feel that they must obey you. You have to be at their eye level so that you are a friend. So with the little ones, of course, I spent a lot of time on the floor. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and we, we would just talk. And I, I would just talk about their experience they had. And I'd, well, tell me about it. Tell me about it. And then I would talk to the parents. What's your child like now? Yeah, before and after. Um that led to more and more meetings and opportunities with children, even uh, those that had grown, maybe we're in their 20s and 30, 30s, that were talking about their experience as a child and what happened to them. And, and I, I wrote my first book about that, The New Children and Near-Death Experiences. But then I got to thinking, you know, this isn't enough. This isn't good enough. There's something else here that I need to go much further and deeper with. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And that was... taking a, a better look, a deeper look at those that had the experience between birth and the age of five. Because those children were different from any other children, even tweens and teens. So there's something going on here. So I, de I devoted years more. Oh, how could I say this? I found that with those that had their experience between birth and the age of five, they had nothing to compare anything with. Right. So there's not this idea of mom and dad and brothers and sisters and this kind of thing. I found very clearly that 90% did not bond with their parents. That doesn't mean they didn't love them. They just never bonded with them. 
they the way they viewed the world was very different from any, any other kid. They knew more than their parents did. They knew more than their siblings did. They knew more than their teacher did. And so they had a lot of problems with um, attacks and criticism from other kids in school. That was a big issue with these these youngsters. But there was just something really different about these kids. Mm. When I say that, I, I, I'm going to say, let's see, do I, do I have some numbers here I can give you? I'd love to be able to give you um, well, let's see. I, I don't have it at hand right now, so it's okay. <clears throat> yes, I do. Birth to to, uh, to fifteen years. Um, I, I changed that to birth uh, just under six. The, um, these youngsters giving an IQ test when they were older, you know, uh, when they were in school, they're giving the IQ test, 48%. Now that this is a specific study, 397 people, all bore, uh, um, had that experience between birth and the age of five. So when they're a little bit older in school and they take the standard IQ test, they were scoring between 150 to 160. 48% were scoring between 150 to 160. This is genius. However, if they had, uh, if it was birth to 15 months, if they had a dark light experience instead of bright light experience or a white light experience, they were they were scoring 190 and above. All of them. All of them. When you're talking about kids, you're talking about three lights. You're not talking about one. Mm -hmm. uh, when the kids, when the kids talk about light. There is this incredibly powerful, powerful, powerful light. Doesn't have any specific color at all. Just really powerful light. And then there's this this dark or black light. Some sometimes with purple tinges in it. And there's something about there's something very loving and very wonderful and very nourishing about this black light. And then there's this white or bright light, sometimes with gold or silver in it, but this white light. And this is the light you can talk to. Um, this, is a, this is a light you can converse with. And um, I would ask these kids about, tell me more about these lights. And they said, well, that white light, that's father light. That black light, that's mother light. And that all-consuming, huge light, that's father, um, th 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 that's God's light. And the father light and the mother light, they come from God's light. Mm -hmm. And so they were very, very clear about this. And multiple kids say things like this. 
It, yeah. Didn't matter where I was in Canada or the United States or where I was. They, they were very clear about the differences between these three lights. And if, and if you get the book, The Forever Angels, please, 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 everybody on the planet, get the book, The Forever Angels. I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship taught by spiritual masters, yogis, spiritual thought leaders, and best-selling authors. Just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free.